0: Good morning, everybody. I am so happy to um, see you guys in person and see everybody's faces. I really miss seeing everybody's faces, so this is really nice. Um, I'm really excited to really talk to you guys about and share about the story of Ruth because it's one of my favorite, favorite characters and Bible stories. Um, When you think of the name Ruth, a lot of us right now might be thinking about the notorious RBG. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, the Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. She just passed away over a month ago. Or when you think of the name Ruth, you might be thinking of my lovely three-year-old daughter. She's beautiful and fierce and keeps me on my toes. But really, I'm really, really excited to share about my favorite book and character because in case you didn't already know, it's why I named my daughter Ruth. She's my, it's my favorite book and character in the Bible. And just some fun facts about the book of Ruth, just so you kind of know how important this book is in the Bible, is that Ruth is only one of two books in the Bible named after a woman. We have Ruth and Esther. Those are the only two books in the Bible named after a woman. Ruth is the only book in the Bible named after an ancestor of Christ. So we have the Psalms, but it's not called David, it's called the Psalms. So it's the only book in the Bible with the actual name named after an ancestor of Christ. Ruth is also the only book in the Bible named after a non-Jewish person. And Ruth's name, which means friendship or companion, and we'll see throughout the story how um, she really lives up to that name, her name is one of five women mentioned in the genealogy of Christ. So when the Bible mentions the genealogy of Christ, it names all the men, but there's five women that are in there, and Ruth is one of them that's named in the genealogy of Christ. So it's a really great and important book in the Bible, and it's actually also a really good, uh, brilliant, it's a brilliant work of theological art. And St. Augustine, he says, In the Old Testament, the new is concealed. In the new, the old is revealed. So what that means is... That the Old Testament has a lot of predictions and foreshadowings of the New Testament. And then when we come into the New Testament, we see all of those foreshadowings coming into fruition. And Ruth is a perfect example in the book of the Bible that actually portrays this. It has a lot of foreshadowing of Christ um, and his redemption for all his people, both Jews, Gentiles, for the whole church. So the book of Ruth really talks about that foreshadowing of Christ's redemption for all his people and for his church. And I just love the book of Ruth because it's such a great love story. It's a story full of loyalty. It's full of love. It's a story of redemption and of legacy. And best of all, it's such a real story. It has real people with real problems like you and I that we can relate to. If you've ever had one of those days, weeks, months, year, 2020, please, where everything has just gone wrong you want to throw in the towel? You're over it. That's how I feel. Well, this story just shows us how God can take anything that happens to us for good. It's a story that invites us to reflect on the question, how is God involved in my everyday, day-to-day life, in my hardships, and my trials? How is God in my day-to-day life right now? So we're going to start off reading in with chapter one. Verse 1, and it says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem Judah went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Mahlon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem Judah, and they went to the country of Moab and remained there. So right off the bat, we see here, it talks about in the days when the judges ruled. So in the Bible, you're going to find the book of Judges. And right after that is the book of Ruth. And if we look at it chronologically, the book of Ruth actually happens in the middle of Judges chapter 3. So what does that mean? It means that when it says the days when the judges ruled, there was no king at that time. Israel was disobeying God and there was no king, so the judges ruled, and they're the ones that administered the law because the the children of Israel did sight, like evil in the sight of the Lord at this time. And they didn't listen to God. They were in a time of rebellion and relativism. Um, In Judges, at the end of Judges chapter 21, it says there was no king, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So it was all about relativism, let me do me, I'm gonna do what's right in my own eyes. So this is kind of like setting the setting of the time that they were in. And, It tells us right after that, that there was a famine in the land. So because of their rebellion, this was part of Israel's sin cycle. So God's retribution to them at that time was giving them a famine. And so this famine, it was real. There was no food, no water. It's not like us right now where they can have canned foods that would last them for years, you know, and go to Costco and it wasn't like when we went to Costco or, you know, the grocery store now and there was no toilet paper or cleaning supplies. It wasn't that kind of famine. It was like for real, no food, no water. So then the the story then focuses in on one family, and it tells us that they moved to Moab. So what we know about Moab is that it's a godless place, and the Jews and the Moabites did not, they were not supposed to intermingle together. Moab is actually, its history comes from an incestuous line when Lot slept with his daughters. So it was a godless place, they worshipped false gods, and they were not God-honoring. So this Jewish family decided to move to Moab because of a famine. And the family that we're focusing on is this man named Elimelech, which means my God is king. Eli, my God, and Melech is king. So my God is king. And his wife's name is Naomi. And keep in mind that her name means pleasant or lovely. And keep that in mind for later on in the story. So right away, this family is facing pressure. They're in a famine. So he does what most of us would do if we're ever facing a struggle, right? If we ever go through mortgages, finances, some type of pressure on our family, we're going to say, okay, what can I do? What action can I make now to help my family out? So right away, he didn't care Moab was a godless place. I need to take care and provide for my family. So they moved from Judah to Moab. And this is where we're at. Then we continue. Verse 3. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. Then both Mahlon and Chilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. So Elimelech dies, her husband. And then the sons take two wives from Moab. And remember, Jews and Moabites are not supposed to intermarry. And then after 10 years, both, of their, both Orpah and Ruth, their, which is Naomi's sons, her, their husbands die, and they also had no children. So Naomi survived her husband and her two sons passing, and we have three widowed women. So we're only five verses in, and there was a famine and death. So that's a lot of heartache. That's a lot going on in just the five, first five verses. That story just hits us with problems, right? And Naomi lost literally everything that could have provided for her. How many of us ever feel like we can relate to that sometimes, where we feel like we've lost everything, where we feel like hopeless, we feel like nothing is going right or as planned? Even Naomi and Ruth had a messy life. They had issues. These are great women in the Bible, and they went through struggles. We all go through struggles, every single one of us. We might not want to admit it. But each one of us has a season of a hard time that we can relate to this, where we feel like nothing has gone as it's supposed to go. It's not going as I have planned. Sometimes our life plans just don't work, like Naomi and Elimelech. They moved to make a better plan for their family and it just didn't work out the way that they had planned. And when I think of hard times like this, and I go through hard times just like everyone else, you know, and I, and I feel the struggle, and nothing has ever gone, nothing's gone as planned, and I feel hopeless or abandoned. There's one verse that I really like to go through, and I bet Naomi would have really liked to hear this verse as well at the time, because this happened way after her time when King David wrote this, but I'm sure Naomi would have really appreciated a verse like this. But when I go through one of these times where I feel like nothing is going as planned, I think of Psalm 27, verses 13 through 14. And King David said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord. Your struggles, your hardships, the mess in your life, it's not the whole story. It's not your whole story. It's the season that you're in. This was the season Naomi and Ruth were in. And if we just wait on the Lord, he will strengthen our heart. He will help us see the goodness in the land of the Lord. Just wait on him. He will take your heart time of hardship and pain, and he's going to make it a spot of amazing transformation if you just wait on the Lord and trust in him. Many of us right now might be going through pain, And we start to ask, how could God do this to me? And we get crushed by all the burdens that are going on around us and everything that we're going through. And I know especially this year has been really tough on a lot of people in many aspects. But I'm telling you, as we'll see in the story of Ruth here, and I have to remind myself of this all the time, and I had to remind myself of this this morning because as I've been prepping for this this week, it's been a week for me as well. So I had to remind myself this morning that the worst Circumstance that you can be in while trusting and putting your hope in the Lord is way better than the best circumstance that the world or the devil has planned for you. The worst circumstance that you can be in, as long as you're trusting and putting your hope in the Lord, is way better than any circumstance that the world or the devil has planned for you. So we continue. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. So Naomi got word that back home in Bethlehem, Judah, where she's from, they have bread. The Lord visited them. There's no longer a famine. And we see right away God's perfect timing in this. She had just lost everything, and then all of a sudden, now back home, there's food. The Lord visited them. It's time for her to go back home, and it's important to notice that the story of, is taking us back to Bethlehem, which literally means house of bread, and this is important because we see later on in the story how Ruth ends up becoming part of the lineage of Christ, and Jesus is to be born in Bethlehem because he is the bread of life, and so... Here's a little, just a little example of how the story of Ruth follows into that saying of St. Augustine of the old is in the new concealed and the new is in the old revealed. So it's just a little bit of how that, that foreshadowing happens. But this part of the story, we kind of read it and we're like, okay, she's going back home. But I started thinking about it and something that came to my mind was actually, it was a great reminder that a lot of times trials and hardships actually help us think, make us want to go back home, right? It makes us go back to God. This trial and this hardship is actually what woke her up a little bit and said, hey, what's going back home in the land of the Lord where I'm from? And it makes me think also like when we're going through hard times, it kind of gets our attention and that's when we kind of refocus our relationship with God and go back to God. So verse eight, and Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go, return each to her mother's house. The the Lord deal kindly with you as you have... dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, Surely we will return with you and with your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, If I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them until they're grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. So Naomi wants them to have a future. She wants them to have a better life. She's like, I've got nothing left for you. And even if I were to get married now and to have sons, there's no way you guys are going to wait that long. The age is just not going to work. So go back. Go back to your family go back to your tribe where you're from get married she wants them to have rest she wants to send them away with a blessing. she's sending her blessings like it's okay to get remarried go get remarried back with your family she wasn't being selfish like she could have easily said like you know look what's happening to me but instead she said no i want you guys to get a second chance you guys can still go get remarried go have kids please go <clears throat> and she was looking out for their interest even though they were her only support system she had nobody She's been out of her home, out of Judah for 10 years. She has no idea who's still left there. She doesn't know if she has family there. There wasn't Facebook, there wasn't like a phone call. She has no idea if there's anybody from her family left. They were her only support system. But she wasn't thinking about herself. She was thinking about how they had an opportunity to have a second chance. And they have this bond and this love together because they went through life together. They went through hardship together. There was a study out there by a sociologist, and I wish I wrote his name. I don't know why I didn't, but anyways, he did this, uh, the sociologist did the study about community versus communitas. And community is when people either like live in the same area or they share a common understanding or language or tradition. But then there's communitas, which is a Latin word, which is actually when they, it describes the spirit of the community. And what it, it's when people have a shared ordeal that they go through, or they lived a certain experience together. So these women had this spirit of communitas. They shared and experienced tough times together. They experienced life together. They went through hardship together. And the next verse. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. So here Orpah thought about what her mother-in-law said and she decided to leave. Nothing wrong with that. She thought about what Naomi had to say and she's like, you know what, she's right. I don't really, I need to go, I should go back to my people and to my land. I have a better chance of getting remarried and starting over than I would if I went to Judah where I'd be considered an outcast. Nobody would like me there, nobody would wanna do anything with me. So again, she thought about it, she decided to go back, nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to knock Orpah down. But what Ruth did, the Bible says she clung to her. She clung onto her. She held tightly. And these next couple of verses that happened changed history. It's one of the most defining moments in history, is what happens next. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge, your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. That is loyalty and love from Ruth. She gave a vow, and she actually used words that are similar to formal vows in Scripture. And it was a covenantal promise to Naomi. She had a steadfast and spiritual commitment. And because of this commitment, and because of this choice, it was a choice that Ruth made, history changed. Because she met Boaz, and they gave birth to Obed, who gave birth to Jesse, who gave birth to David, who continued on to the lineage of Christ because of the choice that she made. She could have easily left and headed back to Moab with her family, just like Orpah. That would have been easy. In Bethlehem, she's an outcast. Remember what we said about Moabites. It was a godless place. They worshiped false gods. The Jews had nothing to do with them. So for her to go back to Judah, she knew that she would be considered an outsider. Everybody would look at her like an outsider. And her future was bleak. She wasn't going to have much of a chance there. She knew that. But she decided to take the hard road because she had a transformation of faith and that transformation of faith shifted her priorities and her loyalty and she was willing to take on shame and go through that hard time for her mother-in-law because she understood something about family and she understood something about being adopted into the family of god and that her loyalties needed to shift they had that bond of communitas and they shared life together and this is actually my hope when I was reading this, it it really made me think of my our church family, and my hope for our church community and our church family, and is that we have the spirit of communitas, that we, our hearts, have deep and genuine love for each other, that we'll weep together, we'll celebrate together, that we're committed to one another, that we live lives together side by side, that we're gonna carry and bear, bear each other's burdens when one of us is going through a hard time, that we are loyal love to one another, And it's not based off convenience. It's not based on if it's good for me because you're my brother and sister because I love you. It's based because we're bound by God's love. They were bound together by God's love. And Ruth said, I don't care what it does for me. I want to stick to God and I want to stick to you. Because I love God and because of my transformation from God, my priorities shifted and I'm going to be there for you. And that's what I want for our church community. Are we letting our faith be transformed by God and truly be filled by God's love that we're able to be there for each other. And we're not thinking about ourselves, but thinking, how can I be there for you? Because my loyalties, my priorities shifted because God, my faith in God has transformed me. Ruth was determined to follow the Lord no matter what, because, and she wanted to cling, cling to Naomi because she wanted to follow God. And she knew if she went back to Moab, they didn't believe in God. The people there didn't believe in God. She wasn't gonna have that godly community that she wanted. But if she went back, with Naomi, she was going to be in the land of the Lord where everybody there believed in God. She wanted to cling to whatever she could to stay in that love and that community of God. She chose to abide and cling to Christ no matter how hard it was going to be and no matter what struggle she was going to face. She chose the hard road, she chose the less convenient road because clinging to God was more important to her. And she's Ruth is just such a powerful picture of what it means to follow Christ. In Matthew 16, verse 24 through 26, Christ told his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? This is what Ruth did. We continue. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem, and it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the woman said, Is this Naomi? But she said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again, empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess with her daughter-in-law, Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So Naomi didn't stop speaking to her because she was, like, upset with her. She realized, you know what, ruth got her mind made. I'm not going to try to convince her. You know, she decided she wanted to come. She could tell she was serious. So I mean, she was expecting to go back all by herself, but Ruth provided that fellowship and that blessing for her, and she decided to come with her. And then everybody, when they got back to Judah, everybody started like buzzing and talking. Ooh, is this Naomi? Is this the Naomi that left here like 10 years ago? You know, trying to figure out who this is. But at this time, at this point, Naomi was bitter. She was struggling, but she didn't hide it. She was real about it. She told them. She was like, look, my name was Naomi. It meant pleasant, lovely. I don't feel that right now. I'm feeling bitter. The Lord has dealt bitterly with me, so call me Mara. And I love it. She was real. She didn't try to hide what she was feeling. She said, look, guys, you know what what I went through? I'm bitter, and this is how I feel. And she told them. She didn't want to hide it. But here's the deal. In the middle of hard times, how do you deal? Naomi was convinced that God had wronged her she left with a famine of food and she came back famine of spirit. And Naomi had every right to be bitter. Every like all of us would be bitter if we were in her situation. She had every right to be upset and bitter and feel the way she felt. And we're all we would all be in her shoes I think. None of us are immune to bitterness. But bitterness was a choice that Naomi made. And we're all responsible for how we deal with hard times. And we see the difference between the choice Naomi made and the choice that Ruth made and how they were gonna handle the hard times. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not trying to say anything about Naomi because we're all human and we fall into the pit. And a lot of the stuff that we go through, just like Naomi, we have every right to be bitter. Some of us have gone through real stuff. And there's, I'm not saying anything, we all have, you have the right to be bitter, you have the right to be upset, but it's a choice. <clears throat> and when bad things happen, are we blaming God? Like Naomi, are we saying, why did you do this to me? But if we just give up our bitterness to God, we say, God, I feel bitter, I'm going through this right now, this is a hard time. And allow him to change our perspective. Say, God, I'm going through this and I'm bitter. Please change my perspective. And to work through our hard times, man, what God can do. Because your story is not over. It's the season you're in. When everything is going wrong, there's one thing that's not going wrong, and it's God's love for you. That will never change. And we'll see here, that the chapter ends with the beginning of the barley harvest, which is about mid to late April. That's the timing that they're in. But we already see here, and we'll see next week when we continue, that it was God's perfect timing of when they went back home, the beginning of the barley harvest. And we'll see how that was God's perfect timing for them. Because this is just the beginning of their story. They went through hardship, but they went back to God. And God is just now about to start their story. And we'll see as we continue next week, <clears throat> love's response to this commitment, how how love is responding to this. And we'll actually get a little bit of romance and um, some good unexpected dating advice next week. So I <laughs> would stay tuned for that. But um, <clears throat> my prayer for each and every single one of us, me included, is that when we're going through a hard time and we have every right to be bitter and upset and say why God that we give it to God and we don't give up but we cling to God like Ruth did and allow him to change our perspective and to make this time of struggle a point of transformation because our story my story your story our stories are not over we just need to cling to Him and wait on Him. So, if you want to stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Lord, I thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity to meet here in person and see each other face to face. Lord, I pray that each and every single one of us if we're currently going through a hard time, or when we do go through a hard time, Lord, that we remember this story and we remember to cling to you. And as you promise, if we wait on you, we will see your goodness, Lord. We will be in the land of the living of the Lord. So Lord, I pray that each and every single one of us hold on to you, that we give you our bitterness, that we give you our hard times, because you're going to make this a point of transformation in our lives and that our life And our faith is transformed by your love lord and that we cling to you because we know that our story is not over through the intercessions of saint mary saint mark and all your saints here says we pray together and say our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. In the, name of the Father, Son, of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, guys. And just a reminder that next week. Um, we-